Making sure a business thrives is challenging, but sometimes the solution can lie right in the numbers. Uh, specifically, 37,000, 25, and 1. Now, these aren't just figures. They're a gateway to more visibility and decisive control in your business. Let's start with 37,000. That's the amount of businesses who've embraced NetSuite by Oracle, the ultimate cloud financial system revolutionizing accounting, financial management, HR, and beyond. And 25? That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do everything from accelerating financial closures to slashing operational costs. And every business is unique, making yours the one that matters. NetSuite offers tailored solutions to amplify your key performance indicators, all consolidated within one streamlined platform. Ready to optimize? Download NetSuite's coveted KPI checklist, engineered to elevate your performance consistently, absolutely free. Visit netsuite.com slash cbs now. That's netsuite.com slash cbs. Breaking news. As cases surge, more Americans are heading back into lockdown. Tonight, the governor of the country's largest state, California, issues a sweeping rollback, ordering all bars and indoor businesses to close. Plus, churches, gyms, and hair salons in most of the state closing, too. The most aggressive move yet by any state. COVID-19 is not going away anytime soon. And the country's second largest school district, Los Angeles, says today no in-person classes in the fall. Plus outbreak parties. Tonight news that this packed Michigan Lake party over 4th of July leads to several infections. And a 30-year-old who believed the virus to be a hoax dies after attending a so-called COVID party. His deathbed message. Breaking news, Naya Rivera found dead. Search and rescue teams recover the body of the former Glee actress. A vital clue to the discovery and the question, what happened? Fire still raging aboard a U.S. Navy ship. Hundreds of firefighters are battling an inferno burning at 1,000 degrees. With nearly 60 injured, we'll have the latest details. The president versus Dr. Fauci. The White House lashes out at the top infectious disease expert, while the president retweets a game show host who claims the doctors are lying about COVID. And remembering the life of actress Kelly Preston. Tonight, her husband, John Travolta, and his moving tribute about her courageous two-year battle with breast cancer. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with breaking news as California is effectively back under lockdown tonight as the surge of coronavirus cases exploding across the U.S. is now slamming head on into the country's largest state. Tonight, Governor Gavin Newsom says he's stopping indoor dining in restaurants and closing all bars, wineries and movie theaters statewide. After a weekend that saw the state's beaches overflowing, the governor is also closing gyms, churches and non-essential offices in the state's 30 hardest hit counties, essentially shutting down California for 80 percent of people living there. And the state's two biggest school systems said today they will only do distance learning in the fall. Tonight, closures come as coronavirus infections are now growing in 40 states and at a rate nearly twice as fast as in April. In Florida, new cases have jumped so dramatically that the Sunshine State now ranks ahead of all but three countries in infections worldwide. 
The nation's top infectious disease expert warned today we haven't even begun to see the end of the pandemic. Dr. Anthony Fauci pointed to video of crowded bars and people not wearing masks, saying states went from shutting down to throwing caution to the wind. And as we come on the air, there are more than 3.3 million confirmed cases nationwide, and the virus has killed more than 134,000 people here in the U.S. There's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Los Angeles. Jonathan? Nora, this is a major setback for businesses like the ones behind me, businesses that said they were already struggling just to get by and have already exhausted their personal loans. The governor tried to stop this surge. He closed all beaches over Fourth of July weekend, but that didn't work. Now the world's fifth largest economy bracing for more closures. Reopening reversal tonight in California. Effective immediately indoor operations at restaurants, wineries and tasting rooms, movies and museums must close. Bars are the hardest hit. Both indoor and outdoor operations now banned. This is in every county in the state of California, uh, not just the counties that were on the monitoring list uh, that we announced on July 1st. The one-two punch landing as the state averages more than 8,000 new cases a day, three times more than one month ago. Numbers are surging nationwide. This is a really serious problem. It is truly historic. Um, we haven't even begun to see the end of it yet. Despite a spike in Florida, Miami's mayor today resisted calls for more closures. Miami is now the epicenter of the pandemic. What we were seeing in Wuhan six months ago, five months ago, now we are there. Overall, Florida added nearly 28,000 new cases over the weekend as more people push testing sites to capacity and new COVID patients fill up hospital beds. In parts of the South, hospitals are being pushed to the brink. At least 12 hospitals throughout Mississippi are at ICU capacity. Uh, I think we're teetering on the edge of a failure. And uh, if we continue to see demand increase, then it will certainly overwhelm our system. Across the country, there is a concern that younger people are still not getting the message. In Texas, one doctor described a 30-year-old patient's last words after attending a so-called COVID party. They looked at their nurse and they said, I think I made a mistake. I thought this was a hoax, but it's not. This 4th of July party in Michigan is yielding both positive cases and calls for everyone who is there to be tested. And in New York City, once the epicenter of the virus. We do see one trend that's worrisome for young adults. We see the infection rate rising and the particular group we're concerned about is 20 year olds to 29 year olds. Jonathan Vigliotti, CBS News, Los Angeles. I'm Mola Lenghi in hard-hit Arizona, the state that leads the nation in the number of people testing positive for the virus, one out of every four. As testing problems multiply around the nation and no federal standard in place, states are on their own. Today, we visited one testing site east of Phoenix. How long had you been searching for a place to get tested? I've been just keeping track of it, I mean, for the last probably six weeks or so. Six weeks? Yeah. Wow. And that's just to get an appointment. While long lines inundate testing centers from Miami to Los Angeles, some in Phoenix, especially in lower-income neighborhoods, have had waits up to 13 hours. Why is that? It's not 
bad luck. It's, it's for a reason. There'd been a lack of testing in that part of the community, and a lot of people came all at once. Long lines is going to dissuade people from getting testing. We want the opposite of that. Joshua LaBaire and his team at Arizona State think they may have found a solution. They've designed a saliva test, one of the first in the country, quicker and less intrusive than those navel swabs, with a turnaround time as short as one day. The faster you can get the results back to people, the quicker they realize that they need to isolate and get away from other people. There are huge backlogs, and so the more we can provide testing, the faster everybody will get. Yeah, so this could be significant. We believe so. We think we can really make a difference. You know, most folks we've spoken to here at this 24-hour testing site in Mesa, Arizona, say the process has gone pretty smoothly lately. They're knocking out about 800 tests a day here at this facility. And even those critical of the governor's approach to the virus admit that testing has improved significantly here throughout the state in recent days. But they still stress that testing is still not keeping up with the rate of infection throughout Arizona. Nora? One in four infected. Mola Lange, thank you. Now to the intensifying debate over sending kids and teachers back to school. The Trump administration and teachers unions are at odds, and their differences come as outbreaks at summer camps teach us more about the impact of COVID-19 on kids. Here's CBS's Janet Shamlan. California's two largest school districts, Los Angeles and San Diego, today announcing classrooms will not open next month, classes going online only impacting more than 700,000 students. The school year will begin in August. It will not start with students at school facilities. The decision comes as the administration continues its full court press to reopen schools. There is no, nothing in the data that would suggest that kids being back in school is, uh, is dangerous to them. But it's already dangerous for teachers. Three in Arizona who shared a classroom in June all got the virus. One has died. I think they're playing politics with our children's lives. Miranda Wicker is like many um, parents, very worried. The former teacher has two young children. She's decided to homeschool. What if you had to go back into the classroom this year? I would be terrified. At Atlanta's Emory Healthcare, where COVID patients have tripled, doctors say one size doesn't fit all. If you're in Montana, you can probably open schools. If you're in Atlanta right now, if you're in, in Georgia and Florida, you may not be able to open schools. But they did that in Detroit today. And parents protested at the school bus yard on the first day of summer school. And tonight here in Atlanta, school officials are voting on whether to start the school year virtually, online only, for the first nine weeks. Something one board member calls a failure. Nora? We're going to continue to follow this story. Jana Shamlan, thank you. Today, Dr. Anthony Fauci said the country hasn't even begun to see the end of the pandemic and that experts are still learning more every week about COVID-19. His comments come as top White House officials distributed a list of the times they say Fauci has been wrong. CBS's Paula Reed reports tonight from the White House. This afternoon, President Trump put a positive spin on his relationship with Dr. Anthony Fauci. I get along with him very well. I like him personally. But he acknowledged they don't always see eye to eye. And I don't always agree with him. Fauci tells CBS News he is now persona non grata at the White House after months of speaking his mind and contradicting the president. Just today, Fauci offered the kind of blunt assessment of the pandemic that has frustrated the president, summing up the country's situation this way. It's happened, you know. 
your worst nightmare, the perfect storm. This weekend, White House advisors openly criticized Fauci, some of whom feel he doesn't represent the interests of the Trump administration. I respect Dr. Fauci a lot, but Dr. Fauci is not 100 percent right. And White House trade advisor Peter Navarro told CBS News, Fauci has been wrong about everything I have ever interacted with him on. We're doing a great job. We're doing very well with vaccines, and we're doing very, very well with therapeutics. In his effort to reopen the country, President Trump has lashed out at just about anyone who urges restraint, including officials at the CDC. Today, he even retweeted former game show host Chuck Woolery, who suggested everyone is lying to keep President Trump from getting a second term. Today, President Trump's former chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, said we have a testing problem here in the U.S. He cited his own family's difficulty in getting tested and called it inexcusable. Nora. Paula Reed tonight at the White House. Thank you. The owner of Washington's NFL team had vowed this day would never come. But in the face of calls for racial justice and a threatened loss of sponsors, today the team said it's dropping the name Redskins, which many see as a slur against Native Americans. Here's CBS's Nicole Killian. For the first time in its 87-year history, Washington's marquee football franchise is getting a makeover. Monday morning, the team announced in a statement it will be retiring the Redskins' name and logo. Quarterback Dwayne Haskins tweeted, It'll always be hashtag hail to the Redskins, but looking forward to the future. I've had to live with this name uh, all of my life. D.C. Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton fought for the name change. What does this mean for the nation? I think this will be read as part of the George Floyd revolution. Following recent racial justice protests, the team faced mounting pressure to remove the Native American moniker from sponsors like Nike, Pepsi, and FedEx. Retiring the name in this case is probably a positive uh, net present value project for them. Uh, They will likely end up making money on this change uh, rather than actually losing money. In a statement, the National Congress of American Indians said, we commend the Washington NFL team for eliminating a brand that disrespected, demeaned, and stereotyped all Native people and called on other teams to retire caricatures. The Cleveland Indians is reviewing its name, while the Atlanta Braves say they will re-examine a tomahawk chop cheer by fans. Washington owner Dan Snyder and coach Ron Rivera are working on a new name. They're reportedly considering the Warriors. Another popular choice is the Red Tails in honor of the Tuskegee Airmen. Nora? Nicole Killian, thank you. Tonight, firefighters are struggling to control a raging fire aboard a U.S. Navy warship docked in San Diego. The strike group's commander says a fire suppression system was being worked on when the fire broke out and could not be activated. We've got more now from CBS's David Martin. The fight to save the Bonhomme Richard went into its second day with the outcome still in doubt. The amphibious assault ship, which was undergoing maintenance in San Diego, has been burning since Sunday morning. Despite the combined efforts of hundreds of military and civilian firefighters, as well as helicopters dumping buckets of water. So much water, the ship is beginning to list. The fire, with temperatures as high as 1,000 degrees, started below decks, but has now spread to the top. The superstructure in the upper decks continued to burn. Uh, the forward mast has collapsed. Rear Admiral Philip Sobek said nearly 60 sailors and civilians have been treated at local hospitals mostly for smoke inhalation and heat exhaustion. 
five remain hospitalized in stable condition. The Navy won't know until the fire is out whether the 20-year-old ship will be worth repairing. David Martin, CBS News, Washington. The pandemic is reshaping the presidential race. Our new CBS Battleground poll shows Joe Biden with a six-point lead over President Trump among likely voters in Florida. In Arizona, it's a tie. And in Texas, Biden's within a point of the president. Mr. Trump swept those states in 2016. But now all three states are inundated with infections. Here's Ed O'Keefe. Joe Biden suddenly strong showing across three Sunbelt states, including in the Republican stronghold of Texas, is due in large part to the president's handling of the COVID-19 crisis. Our president wasn't prepared for this pandemic. The more concerned someone is about getting the virus, the more likely they back Biden. Roughly six in ten think their states reopened too quickly, and most say that's because of pressure from the Trump administration. We did the right thing. Now we open. We got to get it open. But Biden is urging his supporters to ignore the new polls. Democrats worry about becoming overconfident and know the numbers will tighten in the fall. Biden's advantage comes as the president's re-election team is struggling. A rally scheduled for Saturday night in New Hampshire was scrapped, in part because of the risk of a smaller crowd, like the one Mr. Trump spoke to last month in Oklahoma. And in Florida, the president's support among senior citizens, usually a key GOP voting bloc, is slipping amid coronavirus concerns. Ed O'Keefe, CBS News. Tonight, there are still so many questions about what happened to 33-year-old Glee star Naya Rivera. Investigators confirm that Rivera's body was found today in a lake north of Los Angeles, where she disappeared last week while boating with her son. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver with a vital clue that led them to the discovery. The Ventura County Sheriff says authorities are confident that the body they have found is of 33-year-old Naya Rivera. There was no indication of foul play and no indication this was a suicide. Recovery teams spent six days searching Lake Piru and its shoreline with 15-foot brush making it difficult. Rivera was last seen Wednesday afternoon boarding a rented pontoon with her four-year-old son, Josie. He told investigators they went swimming and she helped him into the boat from behind. He told investigators that he looked back and saw her disappear under the surface of the water. A report from the Los Angeles Times says that hours before she disappeared, Rivera took a photo in a cove and sent it to a relative, which led authorities create a grid of the location. And this powerful image, members of the cast of Glee gathered at the lake before the body was found. Meg Oliver, CBS News. Tonight, John Travolta is sharing with the world that his wife and actress Kelly Preston died after a courageous two-year battle with breast cancer. Here's CBS's Carter Evans. Jerry, there is a sensitivity thing that some people have. I don't have it. Kelly Preston's role in the movie Jerry Maguire may still be one of her most memorable. I'm too strong for you, loser. From a decades-long acting career. Oh, I I baked you some cookies. Does anybody here know how to dance? I know how to dance. But it was a screen test for the 1989 film The Experts that changed her life. That's when she first met John Travolta. They were married two years later in Paris while expecting their first son, Jet. Their daughter, Ella, was born in 2000 and second son, Benjamin, in 2010, a year after Jet died of a seizure at the family's vacation home in the Bahamas. On Sunday, Preston, just 57 years old, died of breast cancer. 
a battle hidden from public view until her husband made the announcement on Instagram. It is with a very heavy heart that I inform you that my beautiful wife, Kelly, has lost her two-year battle with breast cancer. Her daughter, Ella, also posted, saying she has never met anyone as courageous, strong, beautiful, and loving as you. Carter Evans, CBS News, Hollywood. If you're staying up late, you can catch me tonight on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert right here on CBS. And if you can't watch the CBS Evening News Live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you on The Late Show tonight and right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official T-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.